0: Drive-by Cinema Three nachos and a foaming thermos of fun
1: Hello, hello! It's Drive-by Cinema, the podcast where we watch the movies so you don't have to. It's season three, episode 24, so my co-host Paul tells me.
0: Zut alors, and my co-host Richard uh, is my co-host Richard.
1: Hello and welcome, Paul. How are you doing? Uh, Better than
0: yesterday, thank you. Uh, Well, let me make your day worse, shall I? Not that you ordinarily do that, Richard.
1: Well, it's corrections time already, because I know we've got a lot of them.
0: Do we have to? I know, I know.
1: Let me start with the easy one, the one that makes me look like the Philistine that I am and makes you seem well-read and erudite, although you didn't bring me up on it. You let it slide.
0: What? I guess that? just to, oh, to oh, spare my Oh, wait, wait a minute. I know what that is. Okay. What, that one? is a reference to one of J.G. Ballard's novels that isn't written by J.G. Ballard.
1: <laughs> so you really did know and you did... <laughs> I did,
0: but I was I was doing the edit. And I thought, oh, I can't really be bothered editing it out. So it's not that I did it. I should have edited it out for you, to save your blushes, yeah. because... Well, I mean, it was... It was a. Free association of a, of of statements, I think, Richard, rather than a malicious intent to misinform our listenership. I claimed that I'd read Brave
1: New World, which I think is true, <laughs> and that it was incorrectly a J.G. novel,
0: which it is not. I mean, it's by uh, Aldous Huxley. There are parallels in, in in their worldview, and they both write polemical novels in the sense that their novels are not novels; they're more essays, ba- with a story baked around them, kind of things. So.
1: And they're dystopian sci-fi. And they're
0: both British, aren't they? Yeah. I did ask
1: ChatGPT to write me an essay comparing and contrasting JG Bellard and Aldous Huxley. And ChatGPT started off saying that they're very different and then described the work of both of them and it sounded completely (laughs) the same to me.
0: So if ChatGPT can't tell the difference, then neither can I. The new thing with ChatGDP that's going around all the TikToks at the moment is they, ask, they give it the same prompt, but say write it with an IQ of 200, write it with an IQ of 100, and write it with an IQ of 65. And it's quite funny, the differences.
1: Oh, yeah. and it can do it effectively.
0: Well, kind of, yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's not as good as the AIs that write friends screenplays. No, you're telling me that Friends was written by AI. No, but they've trained AI to watch 100 Hours of Friends, and then they write a screenplay in the style of Friends. And it's. When the machines rise up. Hilarious. They're hilarious. So that's the first okay. thing, okay? Your misattribution of a very famous novel, Richard, to J.G. Ballard. Yes, thank you. <laughs> now, next. <laughs> Paul. I feel somehow asked. vindicated, finally, because often, because Richard is the more proactive of, of the two of us uh, generally, and certainly in terms of being a stickler, uh, I might even say Jobsworth for corrections and, and his anti misinformation drive, uh, then then I feel somehow vindicated, finally, to, to get one up on you, Rich, to notch one against the bedpost, so to speak.
1: Paul. In one of the previous episodes, oh God, I, think I guess. the one that was now just he after turns Christmas. to me. Yeah, go on. No, no, it's not a bad thing that you've done. Oh. but you—I've well, done you several bad the, things. But I've been... you raised the tasty question. Yeah. Uh, about what do we call the period between Christmas and New Year? Well, I know now it's Winterville, Yeah. It sent me off down a bit of a, a rabbit hole, mm-hmm. or a rabbit hole, which is like a rabbit hole but with catering. Have you ever been down a rabbit hole? Has anything not not obsessed you for a while and you've just gone? No, I don't really have that kind of mind. Oh, okay. It's just easy come, easy go. Is it in and out?
0: This is my failing in life as I reach this stage of life where I want to convince myself I've done something significant. No, I haven't. Oh, you raised a very... (laughs)
1: Casually, in the way that you have, you've raised a very apposite question. Thank you. What is the Flutter period between Christmas and New Year called? And first, The first thing you might want to say is, an obvious thing to do, is to say that if Boxing Day is the day after Christmas, yeah. then there must be a Boxing Boxing Day, which is the day after the day after Christmas. Oh, wow. We're getting recursive. And therefore, you could say, it's Boxing to the End Day. For a period where I think N is like 4 or 5, isn't it? So we get to New Year's Eve. And, uh, or you could do it the other way yeah, around, N, couldn't you? You could, do it, you could do it New Year's Eve Eve and New Year's Eve Eve. To the power. And New to Year's Eve, Eve 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 to the N, exactly. Yeah. New Year's Eve to the N. But these are very mathematical answers. In my research, I did come <laughs> up with... And it, I don't this isn't definitive. Yeah. I'm not saying anyone is saying this except it's clear that the most appropriate name for the period between Christmas and New Year is the perineum.
0: The perineum. The perineum. You mean the small taut piece of skin
1: between the genitals of Christmas and the <laughs> arsehole of New Year. The perineum. Perineum. Oh, that's clever. Clever. Thank you. Finally. And I must tip my hat to Jolian, who used a similar joke about something completely unrelated, uh, which was much funnier than mine. He's a witty guy. Okay.
0: And he builds very sophisticated jokes. Yeah, so in reference to the cold, I've got sleet and we've got, you know, hail coming down here. I don't know about in your neck of the woods, Richard. A cold snap. Yes, it's got colder again. So I was yeah. wondering, you know, uh, afterwards, uh, the day afterwards, uh, the road is wet. Yeah, Uh I thought from the melted sleet uh, and the salt on the road, but is this because they've got the critters out? The what? The critters. Oh, the gritters. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> so I was thinking maybe, that, you know, the critters have urinated on the road or something.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's right, yeah. They've got very saline Sorry, urine. Yeah.
0: Trying to copy one of Richard's <laughs> infinite, number very of, good infinite number of bad gags.
1: Uh, it was like an homage to my kind of joke. Like, it was very good. But in all seriousness, you did. Oh god! Rec- go. In recent episodes, you did raise something which really set me off down a rabbit hole. Do you know? Do you know? Really uh, did.
0: In educational circles, uh, they've got rid of the shit sandwich. It's not good to set up an expectation of reward before and then confound it with criticism. Uh, apparently, it should be the open shit sandwich. So, give the shit first. <laughs> then, and then give ameliorate copyright. the damage with the bread. Yeah. So, But you've got the other way around, Richard. You know, you've know, heaped praise upon praise, and now you're coming in with the slingshot. So, so
1: not give, at all. Give it your More best. Praise. More praise, Paul. Because if you oh. remember, we were discussing Colin the Caterpillar Cakes from yes. M&S and yes. the battle with
0: Aldi. Yes.
1: And I said that there were three kinds of intellectual property. So what, forthrightly, was, it has to be said, yes. There were
0: copyright, there was... Patents and they was. But she did this in uh, a way without mansplaining. Well done.
1: Copyrights, patents, and the other one
0: is uh, trademarks, trademark. Trademark, yeah. And I'm not really. Well, I do not know now because you explained. But thank you for explaining. the Trademark and copyright. Did really know the difference between those two, but I do know. Well, you said
1: that there was something called design protection.
0: Yeah.
1: And I went away to find off to find out about You're it. Down a rabbit because hole because that's. i never of really you are. found. I never found. I never heard of yeah. design protections being defended before yeah and I found I don't know how to approach this whole topic maybe what I should do is share my screen I found the database of designs registered designs really because how did you find that obviously it'd be no point in having it if you couldn't go and find who had a design registration
0: Richard's missed his vocation he should have become a conveyance uh, solicitor digging up uh, details about heft, slippage, and landslides in the local area. It sounds, <laughs> it sounds like you've got a, a, a very strong Sherlock Holmesian detective ability here, Richard. Go
1: on. Listen, I'm, sharing, I'm now sharing my screen with wow. the design database on it. So all of these things, some of the things in the database have lapsed. Some of them perhaps were never granted. There's only 11,000. Filtered it. Oh, no. That's only 11,000 under the category of cake. <laughs>
0: now, <laughs> wow. Now,
1: uh, now and it's very loose. So you see there's cake servers and spoons and all kinds of shit. Oh, in
0: involving but the name word cake, I see. Okay. I,
1: I do want to say, let's be very clear what a design protection covers. So it does not cover the function of the object. Simply
0: the external appearance.
1: The shape, yeah. Nothing about the internals or how it works. If it was functional, it would be a patent. It has to
0: be fully visible. It can't be the internal shape. It has to be the but external. I, I don't
1: know about it. it. Could be a component inside, maybe. Not
0: according but to Wikipedia. Dis- oh, I do trust Wikipedia. Ah, okay, on
1: this. okay. So I couldn't find, partly because there is quite a lot of them. I couldn't
0: find Call anything like related to a caterpillar.
1: But I looked down this and look at these, for instance. Well, I
0: don't think my m s have. Protected on the caterpillar.
1: So, what if you could describe for the view for the listeners, for the listeners
0: at home? That I'm doing. well. I mean, there are several ways to describe this. I mean, I, I can read the description. Okay. Yes. But well, I'll read that. Okay. Cakes <laughs> resembling mushrooms. Uh, designs differ as to the top and bottom parts. Okay, the tapering therein. Okay. However, it does appear to look like. An extremely ribbed uh, dildo, <laughs> with 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 uh, with a, a very very impressive glands tremulans.
1: So, what do you think this design registration covers, Paul? Cakes, cake moulds. No, no. This is the point about design registration. It doesn't cover the function. It only cover. It covers the shape,
0: right? Oh. So I couldn't make I couldn't make a dishcloth in this shape. In the
1: shape of no, you couldn't make anything in this shape without first reg, uh, going to these people
0: and paying them point five percent, which they'd probably be happy oh. with. <laughs> well, point two percent maybe.
1: But I put it to you that since this is the shape of a mushroom, it's almost certainly not really original, right? True. So I'm not really sure how it gets granted, except to say clearly, judging by the number of these things, I think they only get the most cursory of inspection.
0: <laughs> so and what you say? You say we could just task ourselves with photocopying three D images <laughs> and protecting the shapes.
1: Look, Paul, let's do this a different way. Imagine you want to come up with a product, yeah, of some
0: kind, right? What what thing do you want to do? Uh, sort of embossed T shirts. You know the T shirts where you you heat them with an iron and it comes up sort of fluffy. The, okay, the so let's
1: look for let's look for T shirts, shall we, and see and see what shapes
0: we're not allowed to use. Why? Without... <laughs> oh, they're quite distinctive, though. And they look at these.
1: Interesting point.
0: Oh, you... Yeah. Oh! Oh wow! Now
1: that's a that's a lapsed design, so oh. we can filter it. Based on current uh, statuses,
0: so let's look at registered. Oh, there's registered a whole afternoon. Of... Of... There's a whole rainy afternoon of fun here, isn't there? Really. <laughs> D- these design
1: registrations range from like the completely generic, that is quite generic, through to the so specific. But I mean, I found one that was just a box, yeah, like literally, you know, oblong box. Whoa. And again, it's not function-related. It's only the shape that you're registering for these design registrations.
0: Well, I just don't think you could defend these. No, you can register. I mean, you can register it, but you couldn't defend it, could you?
1: Yeah, if you went to court and said, look, I've got this box shape. And, of course, (laughs) when you put it in this database, you say what it is so that people can find it. Um. But, like... We're searching for T-shirt here, but we know already that you can't make a T-shirt in the shape of a mushroom because that's registered under the cake section. So you'd actually have to search this entire database for anything that could remotely be the shape of the thing that you're designing. And the entire database is much larger than 11. Well, that T-shirt's covered 102,000. So if we search for everything, it's going to be absolutely astronomical, isn't it? So it would be impossible to do a design of anything new and assure yourself that the
0: design wasn't
1: already in here somewhere, wouldn't it?
0: It would. Every shape must be in here at some stage. Sure, Sure, but I think the interpretation is, okay, that shape is protected, yeah, but only for the same product. So you could, I think... That's
1: not what I read. I mean, I may be wrong, I'm not a lawyer. And, of course... You should never take legal advice from a podcast, but that's it's not not only protected
0: it. in the sense that it affects somebody else's business, yeah. And so it would be difficult to argue, I think, that you know your mushroom cake shaped non cake <laughs> is affecting the sales of we all want to say the word butt plug, it's <laughs> affecting the sales of the mushroom cake edible butt plug, you know. But that's the, got nothing to do with it, that's it's the design that you're protecting. Not It's mean, the design of the object and, and the, the nature of the object, although the function isn't protected under the design. No, it's not. Exactly, Paul. The, exactly.
1: It's not the function.
0: The design, the external design of the object is, is only protected to the extent of preventing other people of using the same design for the same kind of product, I think.
1: You're quite right. Design protections exist, but I don't think they're effective.
0: In any case, I don't think Colin Caterpillar has been design protected, has he?
1: No, they didn't bring the case. It would be a post hoc
0: action. They
1: brought it, as we mentioned last time, under trademark.
0: Wow, did they? I didn't actually read the details.
1: Well, that's what I said, but you didn't hear. You didn't listen to me. I don't care. Or you ignored me as usual. Speaking of which, should we do the movie this week?
0: Movie this week, Paul is. Uh, well, it's episode twenty-four. I know that much. Uh, the movie's the title <laughs> is <He's> stalling. <laughs> is reaching for paper, uh, putting on bifocals. Uh, the the movie this week is. I mean, naming is difficult here because there are so many movies, movies with the same or similar name. Is "Monsters" plural? Hey, from around twenty ten or twenty twelve. I can't remember exactly. Well,
1: according. To the caption that comes up at the start, it's six years ago.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay, so it's Monsters. Yeah, okay. Now the th- first thing to say is there are so many movies called Monster or Monsters, or even from Disney, Monsters, Inc.
1: Right, and the one you watched, Paul? <laughs> <laughs>
0: was Monsters from about ten years ago or so. Uh, Directed by? Oh, crikey. Now, I did look up this, and I had lots of things to say about it. But oh. I, I, I've probably forgotten them all, uh, because I looked it up a week ago. Uh, directed by, I don't know, who, who directed it? Gareth Edwards. That's right. And on the base of this, he became, like... A well-regarded director. A uh, sort of multiverse director, didn't he? He did a Star Wars movie.
1: Wow. I think, arguably, some would say the best Star Wars movie, certainly of them. Rogue. Book. Rogue One, yeah,
0: yeah. So he, he he went into Star Wars whole franchise multiverse, and also he did. He sounds like a Welsh country and music singer, doesn't he? But I don't think he is. There was a second monsters sequel to this one, which was was a surprise indie hit. Uh, I don't think he directed that, and that was a complete flop. I think he moved on at that point to you know big budgets and that kind of thing. He did Godzilla, Godzilla. That's it. Yes,
1: and he did Star Wars Episode Eight, the last one, wasn't Whoa. it? Last Jedi. I think. Impressive. He's a decent director. This is an interesting film.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, the intri- in terms of the making of the movie, one, it was built, it was, oh. it was done on a tiny budget, less than half a million dollars. Okay, and brought in uh, about five million at the box office. Box office originally, it has become something of a cult classic afterwards. Okay, but the most interesting thing was he did the CGI himself. Really? On Adobe? On Adobe After Effects, yeah. presumably. Which is impressive. It was filmed
1: all on prosumer kind of hardware. That's work the other thing. Yes,
0: Yeah, to keep costs down. Yeah,
1: yeah, and it was improvised. Oh, that's the other thing. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: The te- technicals of this are incredible. Okay, there were like three or four men. I think two or three main actors. Yeah, and essentially yeah. everybody else was roped in and told Which to say the their lines. Who were yeah.
1: on location? Yeah, yeah.
0: Or well, not told to say their lines to improvise their lines, given the situation. So you know, say so, you know. You're you're the bloke selling tickets at the bus off, bus bus station. Uh, you want to take a cut and act that out, kind of thing. So yeah, incredible technicals. You know, he did the special effects himself. Okay, it's shot on Prosumer kind of t- hardware, and uh, yeah, it's nearly all thoroughly improvised. So interesting and groundbreaking, I guess, in a certain sort of way.
1: You do that. You often do that kind of thing with your kind of kitchen sink drama, you know. Yeah.
0: Your Ken Loach style or Mike
1: Lee style, but to do it in a like sci-fi horror movie, is quite innovative, isn't it?
0: It is. I mean, I wouldn't say it's horror, although it's billed as sci-fi horror. But yeah, it is very, very innovative. Innov- innovative, indeed.
1: At the start of the movie, then, we're told that six years ago, NASA discovered the possibility of alien life in our solar system. Yeah. And apparently they're bringing back a sample of it in a probe, which breaks up over Mexico... It results in an area they refer to as the Infected Zone.
0: Yeah, which is the northern part of Mexico, basically.
1: And we see the start of the movie through night vision on a Humvee as it's driving through the streets. There's a huge monster on an overpass with tentacles and stuff, like a giant squid, basically. And there's a shootout and rocket launchers going off and stuff. And then in the aftermath, we see a guy looking at wreckage Actually, it may not be the aftermath of the same incident. I've come to realise. Gladly,
0: I think that is. I mean, that is a flash forward to the end of the movie. That's starting. That's part. right.
1: Yeah, the very start. That's right. Is it? Is in at, at nighttime with a fight with a giant monster. So you're kind of seeing glimpses of the monster straight away as well, aren't you? We're seeing a similar wreckage, but in a different place. I think in the daylight, and a guy's looking at the wreckage, and he's told to go to hospital where, he, where the injured were taken. He goes to the hospital and he finds this young girl called Sam in a hospital room. Her father had sent him because the boss of his company, presumably a newspaper editor or something because he's a photojournalist, has told him that he's got to get his daughter out of this place safely. And initially I think he refuses because he's trying to do his job and get story pictures of their stories. I think his boss obviously pulls rank and tells him to do it. So he introduces himself, and they end up boarding a train. Uh, and you see that her hand is hurt, and given the nature of this infected zone, you think it might might be that maybe she's infected
0: initially. Good. I was hoping she, you know, things were going to burst out of her stomach, alien stuff. So he's Andrew and she's Sam. Okay, there's a frisson, isn't there? There's a there's a little bit of. Sexual spark between the two of them as evident from the start, Uh, which builds nicely in the movie, by the way. And so, yeah. What's
1: she doing? What's she doing here?
0: She's in Mexico. We know she's just being rich and on trust fund. I think.
1: Obviously, yeah. She's obviously a rich daughter of a important media magnate. Yeah. Yeah. She's just hanging around in a war zone, effectively, isn't she? Is what she's doing for
0: for kicks. So dad says, make sure you get her back. To the guy on the phone, at uh, the, the other end of the phone. And uh, the train is leaving. I think, are we at that point already where they're boarding the first train? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, the train's leaving. Okay. Put the phone down. Get off the phone to my dad. Okay. And then we get a really nice uh, set of shots as they move through a Central American uh, landscape. Yeah. Now, there's lots and lots. As you watch the movie, I watch it on Prime. Okay. There's lots and lots of uh, notes about continuity errors. Okay. about where they shot it and how it wasn't in Mexico and how far they were from borders when they were getting on, getting going to a port and that kind of thing. But I don't think any of that, all of those observations were were, were, were relevant really because <laughs> just, well, there's, them all. there's no like in terms of like we don't say well, Star Wars actually isn't on a planet. It's shot in the films outside of uh, it's shot in the hills outside of uh, Hollywood. I mean, that's never a continuity error in Star Wars, is it? So the fact they shot it in Nicaragua and they said they were in Mexico, and, you know, the fact that, that real port, the port that they shot in, wasn't actually in Mexico, I don't really see as a non sequitur in movie terms, actually. No, you're quite right.
1: I mean, unless you're local, you're very unlikely to recognise these places as yeah. being out of place, aren't you? So. But if you are, if you do know those places, I guess it's glaringly obvious mm-hmm. I guess it's difficult to ignore.
0: There was one where it said, you know, border 300 miles away, and apparently there was 1,500 miles from the US-Mexican border at that point. So uh, Amazon Prime was very vocal about telling me these all the way through the movie. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, really nice set of shots as they're on, on the train. Uh, very atmospheric. If you've ever taken a gap yard yeah, and uh, been to Peru and that kind of thing.
1: Apparently there's some kind of problem up ahead on the train. Mm-hmm. Not a train strike
0: like it would be here (laughs) leaves on the track it might also be here in the absence of strikes
1: well why do leaves on a track cause problems oh it's
0: very problematic isn't it but i can't remember why well it's simply that it causes very low friction conditions yeah
1: you know steel on steel actually is not not that good friction wise Slips very
0: easily. Hence, the reason they can't really ascend any more curve, any sorry, any gradient, any gradient more right. than one point five percent or two percent. Yeah.
1: And trains to get ca- uh, to get traction, especially when they're starting off, they've got little things in front of the train wheels that spray sand into the, the gap between the wheel and the rail. I, yeah, I didn't know that. That's crazy, right? <laughs> Whoa! But why then do trains use steel on
0: steel? Because once it's moving, it's very efficient. It is,
1: yeah. Because there's no compression of rubber, so the rolling resistance is very low once it's moving, you're right. But not all rail systems do use steel-on-steel. That may amaze
0: you. Well... There's a tiny, you know, Dotland's radio. Dotland's radio. Dotland's. Welcome transit. to Dotland's radio. <laughs> <I'm> sorry, me. <laughs> My brain isn't here today. Uh, not that it usually is. Dotland's transit. I don't know. Mass must transit. Brain-free know. radio with what Paul and call, Rick. What do you call it? Dotland's light radio. Light. Thank DLR. You. DLR. Yes. Okay. Uh, in Guangzhou, they've got like a tiny, tiny, tiny little version of it, right in the middle of town. There's, like, some really expensive real estate, which is covered with, like, government sort of official kind of stuff, like a huge sort of sports complex and stadium. And, like, you know, some, I don't know, some government offices, like a a park that everybody walks through. Uh, And they've got a tiny little, like, four-mile, five-mile long little underground thing there. I mean, they've got a huge, they've got a massive, like, uh, tube system with, I think, 22 lines now, one of which stretches 140 kilometres out. Of Guangzhou, but in the middle of it, I think maybe a few years before they built the big proper wide tube, they built this built this little sort of automatic little light railway, and it's really tiny. It like each carriage is like a bus long. You can fit maybe two hundred people in it at a push, Uh, and it goes at like some cute little speed, like twenty five miles an hour. It's all automatic. It's all driverless and stuff like that. And there's like four stops and there's like 300 yards between each stop. So it's like a little tourist attraction. I think it was actually built to get people to the stadium for the Asia Games in 2012 or something. I can't remember. But that runs on rubber rubber tires. Really? Yeah. So does the Paris Metro. No. But they're full-size trains, aren't they? Well, it's a full metro. Full metro, right, okay.
1: Whoa. Consequently, the Paris Metro doesn't squeal the way the London Underground squeals when the train is coming into a, a curved platform. It's horrible. It's, you know the squealing I'm yeah, talking
0: yeah, about. Yeah, yeah.
1: You don't get that on the Paris Metro.
0: What's their decision to run it on rubber tyres?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I guess, again, you get better traction on moving off. Yeah, And it's, it's quicker to slow down. And it's a slightly smoother journey, oh, it I It would be, I yeah.
0: Know. I'd imagine it would be a lot comfier.
1: I guess if you're spending more time accelerating and slowing down than just trundling along... The benefits of steel on steel mm-hmm. are not that great because you do more time accelerating and decelerating. So,
0: so back to the movie: planes, trains, and automobiles. They've got to get out of the country. Why? There's been some sort of thing, uh, some sort of event that means they're going to close down the borders for the next six months. So they're on That's the right. train. That's right. They've
1: got to get to the got to get to the coast in the next
0: forty eight hours because no. of
1: some kind of. Military shutdown. In this
0: movie, I don't really have a problem with any of the non sequiturs that don't really exist in the movie, but at what point could they not take an aeroplane? I don't get this bit.
1: Well, that's not explicitly stated, is no. it? No. I imagine the aliens are quite big and tentacly. Maybe they grab things out of the air? Oh, they're sort of
0: occupying the sky, perhaps. Okay. We do see a sub- submerged aeroplane sort of float to the top of a river at one point. That's
1: right, you know, yeah. It was a
0: really good shot. There's lots of really, really well-considered shots here. This was based on a real experience of the director where he'd been um, on the Zambezi or some some, uh, some expedition in Africa, and there were crocodiles in the river, and uh, then uh, a bloated pig that one of them had sort of hard, half eaten suddenly sort of rose to the surface of the river. So
1: Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. They eat with this uh, Mexican family, don't they? And Sam obviously knows... She knows Spanish, they're planning their forward route, and they're watching these information videos on the TV. Yeah. There's a lot of talk about gas masks. We've seen people putting gas masks on and wearing gas masks. It's this thing about, uh, you know, the infected zone. We don't really know the nature of the infection, but gas masks seem to be essential. Although, if I'm not careful, I'm going to start sounding like an anti-masker. But I do wonder whether gas masks... Would be all that effective, you know. They issued gas masks to everyone in World War Two. Yes, the they Blitz. did. Yes, yeah. and like everyone was carrying a gas mask in a little box because they feared the Nazis would use poison gas on civilian populations and stuff. It strikes me a gas mask is probably quite a technical thing for everybody to use, and I'd be surprised if they were particularly effective against chemical or you know nerve agents, particularly.
0: But I think they did organise lessons and practice practice sessions with the gas masks look
1: sure a well-fitted gas mask with good filters and everything that seats to your face properly and gets a good seal so that when you breathe in it doesn't come in around the sides of the mask and go through the filter that sounds like a good way of avoiding the effects of an inhaled toxic gas handing out hundreds of standard gas masks to people's heads of all sizes some people who have beards and stuff and presumably that that would disrupt the seal I can't imagine that, that it would be very effective And I, I mean a lot of poison like warfare chemicals are irritants anyway and they go into your skin and nerve agents go into your skin as well don't they?
0: Always open my door with gloves uh, Right, <laughs> <Yeah>. thanks Mr, <laughs> Mr. Skip Al <Yeah. laughs>
1: Well, we did criticize Putin in one of these episodes, so maybe oh, you're. God, here to we to. go.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm thinking. I think they did train. There was an extensive training program for the civilian population. Think about the UK in the seventies. Did you ever take your highway cycle proficiency test at school? Oh yes, I still got the badge. You know, and we did swimming. You it, we did swimming badges. You know, like two thousand meters and stuff like, that. and we did our life saving stuff. Uh, And they don't do any of this stuff anymore, do they? But I think, yeah, I think it would have been within the remit and the capabilities of British society as a whole to to sort of train people up to use gas masks. So they disembark on the train because the train hits a roadblock or a train block. I don't know what you call that. And they hitch a ride on a pickup truck. They do. How's this arranged? Oh, they just they just thumb their way, don't they?
1: Yeah, Yeah, people help each other. This is the
0: cheapest part of uh, their journey. Now, normally, if this was a zombie infection in Hollywood, something sinister would happen as they get on the back of this pickup truck. Like, one of them would get kidnapped and bartered in order for somebody else to get to an airport. But that didn't happen here. These are really nice Mexican people.
1: Andrew is making the point, though, that he earns his living from pictures of misery. You know, it's the old war photographer uh, problem, isn't it? Like that, that famous and quite horrible picture that journalist took of the, the the kid, the kid starving yes. with a, with a vulture or something nearby,
0: or the naked kid uh, in Vietnam. In Vietnam, yeah, it's you know, famous one, isn't it? Uh, and on cue, they kind of turn up at a town at this point, yeah. And there's lots of really nice kids that he could be taking photos of, but not getting more than twenty dollars for or something like that, yeah.
1: They book a ferry ticket because they've arrived at this port. But it's like $5,000 for a ticket.
0: Yeah. Now there's downtime. Like, like it doesn't go until the next day. Is that right? That's right, yeah. So they've got a night to spend, don't they? Yeah. And again, gorgeous shots of the atmosphere and energies of a Central American sort of small town. Really nice, actually.
1: They find a beautiful candlelit shrine to all the dead. And they have a flirty evening. They
0: climb on the roof and have a flirty evening above the shrine. Is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah, but in the end, she uh, sends him back to
0: his room. Yeah, she's uh, she's not. I mean, she's not cock teasing, and there's nothing wrong with cock teasing anyway. Okay, uh, uh, but it's good to know. I, like, I mean, I don't understand how he got his hopes up. Is what I'm trying to say. Because, like, like I don't know how he misread the situation that she was on for action. Because when when they go back, like to the room. He's really quite persistent, isn't he? He's not really taking no for an answer. Well, he's he's a bit drunk,
1: isn't he? Oh, his judgment okay. is impaired, I, I think. But it's classic stuff, isn't it? People are either completely oblivious to sexual signals other people are giving yes, out, or hopelessly misread them. <laughs> uh
0: in ways which she, she just wants something. to get home, basically, doesn't she? So I mean like maybe sex isn't on the agenda uh at this point in, in the itinerary. Maybe de-stressing sex or, like, you know, sex to... I don't know what we call de-stressing sex. There is a term for it, isn't there?
1: But here's the thing. In the morning, she's kind of had a change of heart. She goes straight over to whatever place, whatever Airbnb he would stay. What, do you think she was going to say, bang me now? She's going to invite him to coffee, and it's a kind of flirty arrangement. But as she
0: gets there... Or is it just a hangover cure? I don't know. I mean...
1: As she gets to his room and he opens the door, she sees that there is somebody lying in his bed. Like she sees the naked legs of someone yeah. in his bed, and she go she goes, you know, sorry, you know, goes straight to the boat, flees flees to the boat straight away. Oh. And he he chases after her because partly because I presume he wants to make sure she's safe, and partly because he regrets <laughs> the
0: going situation. with a random floozy, <laughs> a random floozy from the
1: streets. And then she realizes that. He's got her passport in his
0: in his bag. Oh, Gotta have to face him. Gosh, embarrassing.
1: So they run back to his room, but the girl that he was seeing has taken all his stuff. She's taken his bag, robbed him. Crikey. So now neither of them have her passport. And they try to negotiate passage on the boat, but it won't happen. So now they have to get some
0: some guys to take them through the infected zone. Would it have happened for more money? Or did they just refuse to pay the money, or is it just not possible at all?
1: I think they scrimped to get everything they could for the first, the first expensive one. tickets. Right. Okay. So by now, and he's had all this stuff stolen anyway. By now, presumably they can't even afford it.
0: So the only decision is is to is to go local on this, yeah.
1: And she pays the the guys the, the guides with a diamond engagement ring. Whoa! Turns out she had a fiance. But it seemed like she wasn't too keen on the marriage going ahead, I think, in the discussions. I think that's another reason why he might have got the idea he was in with the children. And at this
0: point, it's even touch and go having paid the money if they, get, if they get through to the correct corrupt guard at the entrance to get onto their next hitch. Is that right, yeah?
1: Yeah, because presumably the infected zone has border guards that won't let people through unless there's special reasons.
0: Do you know, I, I remember travelling Vietnam. This was like ninety. I think 96 or 97, I can't remember. Just really when Vietnam was opening up to the foot trails of you had your
1: passport though, right?
0: Yeah, the first the first tourists kind of thing. Like the first album, Tourists. Okay, before the difficult second album, whatever. Uh, <laughs> um, my friend, she was making the Footprints uh, Guide to Vietnam. The Footprints is now defunct, I think. Or well, still going. Little version of Rough Guide or uh, what's the Lonely other Planet. Lonely Planet, okay. It's quite well known for like the serious traveller. Like the serious I don't go to Beach resorts traveler, okay, which was very much a thing. Tomalinos. Very much a thing in Asia at the time, wasn't it? You know, backpackers who were serious about their traveling, kind of thing. Uh, so it was all about budget hotels and, and, and that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, we were at the Vietnam. I can't remember what it was. Vietnam, uh, Yunnan border between Vietnam and China. Yeah, and uh, it is when you have to bribe people. It is really because you give the money, and it's all based on a promise that they're going to do something for you. Mm. As a result of the money, okay. So we. Turn- how do you know how much to give and who to give it to? Well, we when? turned up uh, like at ten thirty in the evening, and it was closed until next week, basically. <laughs> and we were like, "No, we've got to get through." So we weren't like we had, we didn't have visas either and stuff like that. But we we needed to get through basically, and so we just bunged them fifty dollars. Okay. That's now not I think too it was bad. way, way, way too much. Okay, why? <laughs> because-, <laughs> because instead of saying, "Right, wait there," like they do in this movie, and it's all kind of like, "Okay, there's def- there's you know, there's, there's a definite hierarchy of, of power involved." They were like, "Oh, come through!" And then they made us drink v- essentially what was Vietnamese vodka, uh, and started right. to let, getting their guns out and let us play with the guns, kind of thing. So, so yeah, so we made friends with with, with the border guards. <laughs>
1: Friends for life, you know, like,
0: yeah. We were in the the sort of uh, intermediary zone. We were taken behind, you know, the, the steel counters and stuff, and got to drink vodka. Well, I assume something like vodka, but worse. Uh, and you know, fire guns off into the night. So it was really good fun. Well worth your 50, 50 pounds, because these days or fifty dollars, because these days, you know, in that neck of the world, you can still you can still do ridiculous things in Cambodia. Like Cambodia, if you pay them like. $200, they'll let you shoot a cow with a machine gun. Not that you'd ever want to, but it's a ridiculous thing to do nonetheless, isn't it?
1: Well, they let you throw a hand grenade.
0: Things like that. They'll let you do yeah. sort of things yeah. that are just not acceptable uh, uh, anymore. No. I'd heard that.
1: I'd heard that. Hmm. Well, did you transfer into a riverboat after you got through the border? No. no. Well, that's what they did. And they go past a load of, it's, again, great photography it's really a load good of ruined photography. buildings yeah. 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 on the riverbank. Makes it feel very much like you know an abandoned area and disastrous. The incredible thing, of
0: course, is another locations were were hired out. No, uh, they just went there without went there without permits and just filmed, which is a cool thing to do. But I think therefore, like you have to have a pretty tight itinerary about your filming, don't you? You Have to know where you're going, kind of thing. If you've got to get these shots in,
1: there's a bit of tension building during a gas stop, and again, it's all about you know, are these guys going to do what they said and take them and stuff, and then. Uh, at night, I think they find that plane emerges from the water and I think it's pulled under by tentacles, isn't it? Uh, and they drive away in the boat at speed. In the morning, they're disembarked to the land with uh, an armed patrol of kind of mercenaries. And they say all the trees are infected with this extraterrestrial stuff.
0: Yeah, they're the people who are living with it. And so they explain exactly what, you know, the nature of this this alien infection. So it's a little bit like that movie where all the trees started glowing hyper-colour. is, because all this fungus glows.
1: And when they flash a torch at it, it actually flashes back. It signals back. Ah, so it's... Almost like it's communicating with them. What was that movie? What was that movie that did all that? That was a really good movie, by the way. Annihilation. Annihilation, thank you. Alex Garland, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah the thing about these guys living in the forest with these aliens is they say... They're kind of, they're kind of chill about it all, yeah. aren't they? They say... Leave them alone and they won't bother you. But at night, there's battle sounds on the radio and they all run to the trucks and one of the trucks gets picked up and a huge creature passes overhead kind of thing. And in the morning, in the wreckage, Andrew's once again, he's finding bodies of the family and I think his instinct is to take a picture of them. But then he thinks twice about it and he covers the body of a young girl and lays flowers by it.
0: So when do do their guards cop it? Or have they disappeared? Just at this point, oh, I think. So it's just those two. It's only those two left, yeah? Just Andrew...
1: I think that's right, yeah. yeah. And Sam. Andrew and Sam. He grabs a gas mask of one of the dead guys. They end up climbing Machu Picchu, basically, don't they? Yes. They, they wind up on in an Inca pyramid. And they look out over the forest, and they see an enormous wall representing, I think, the border. It's impressive. Yeah. This is 2010, right? So this is long before...
0: Trump. Donald's ideas, yeah. yeah.
1: So I was thinking this is a heavy-handed allegory for a moment.
0: Yeah. Uh, but
1: it's not. It, it completely presaged Donald Trump assuming a Mexican... Maybe Donald Trump watched this and thought it was real.
0: <laughs>
1: That's not the craziest idea anyone's ever said, is it? <laughs> no, no, it's not. No. So they've reached a sort of outpost on the wall, and it's deserted... And they can uh, they can go through at this point. And they
0: put their masks on. Which is strange, because it shouldn't be deserted.
1: You'd think it would be manned, yes, yeah. for people to repel whatever infection, uh, whatever creatures are there. And they've reached this township that's ruined. All the buildings have been destroyed. And there are alien corpses, huge tentacles lying, strewn about this place. And Andrew obviously starts taking pictures of the corpse and the ruined houses. And at this point, a vagrant appears, mm. with a squeaky trolley wheel, <laughs> loudly disturbing them. They call out to her. <laughs> she just quacks at them, and then and then barks, I think, and then moves on.
0: She does, yeah, yeah, a bit like she's on fentanyl or whatever it's called. Cool. So, so yeah. <laughs> uh, so they make a call eventually, don't they?
1: They find a gas station, yeah, and they, there's a payphone. So they call 911, basically, and they say that where they are. In the middle of the Texan desert. They're told an army patrol
0: is on its way. Yeah. What three words? Uh, deserted Texas desert, okay. And pretty soon, by nightfall, the army are on their way. What three words, Paul? Do you use what three words? No. No. Oh.
1: Oh. You said that dismissively, as if you don't believe it's well, a real guess- thing. Well, I
0: definitely. What are you going to reach for your phone and find out what the three words are, rather um, than open Google Maps? Mm. Well,
1: presumably it'd be quicker, would it? What, what what three words are you? Oh, we can't we can't do that. We'll dox ourselves, won't we? Mm. <laughs> it's too accurate, man. Yeah, he seems to know where he is, doesn't he? Although presumably, if he's phoning nine one one from a payphone, they can
0: tell where he is. So at that point, we after all this tentative, hesitant introduction, by the
1: way, and glimpses- since you mentioned that. One of the things about this film is nobody in this film has any cell phones. That is true. That's weird, isn't it? Two thousand and ten.
0: That is strange. It's cell phone, cell phone territory, isn't it? But up to this point, we've really, we haven't really seen the monsters in full effect, have we? I don't think.
1: Not really. It's been no. quite tensi-
0: tentative and hesitant. They've been edging us to the monsters, and now they. We've of- seen
1: dead monsters. We've seen tentacles. We've seen,
0: yeah. But that's about it and really. now they kind of appear in full glory, okay one approaches the petrol station or the gas station, and they kind of they hover huge, you know way up in the air, kind of on their tentacles like I'm not sure if they're floating or just touching the ground it's It's not clear how exactly how they're up there, but they're huge and giant and it's
1: nighttime, and there's a thunderstorm. Sam is inside the gas station and he's outside he's just been on the phone, but he's like hiding from them. one of them puts a tentacle through the, the gas station, through the door of the window or whatever, these really thin tentacles come out of the end of its tentacle
0: oh,
1: and start searching around in the gas
0: station like shop. Really. For el- Electricity, it seems. They're not really interested in humans or living things, are they? Is what you would say. Well, I'm not sure it's electricity, but what it does
1: do oh. is it sees there's a TV or a CTTV on in the gas station oh. and the tentacles go up to it almost as if it's Looking at it or drinking in the light from the screen? I don't know. It's not obvious. Maybe it's a static on the TV screen. I don't know. True. Could be. Could be. So Sam notices this and she unplugs the TV and it gets bored and withdraws. The tentacles go back and leave the building, as it were. And Andrew, who had, I think, fallen asleep before they they arrived... He is now watching all of this happen, and he sees another one appear. Again, another glowing form in the, in the night sky. And what happens, Paul?
0: Don't ask me that. <laughs> what happens? Yeah, what well, happens? Oh, they, to they have two? sex. They have, they have alien tentacle sex. The aliens
1: have sex, not salmon. and... and yes. Yeah, yes. That's right. They have, yeah. They're, their tentacles entwine, as if mating. Well, I presume they're mating. We can only assume. Yeah, we don't know their customs, but their tentacles entwine. I think octopuses. I'm not sure. Maybe making this up. I, maybe I don't know enough about biology to say <laughs> this. Doesn't the male octopus transfer like a packet of semen into the female with a with a tentacle, specially adapted adapted tentacle? <laughs> oh, that's what you call it. Oh,
0: okay. Especially adapted tentacle. I'll say that next time. Yeah, I mean that kind of situation. Here's my special inerted tentacle.
1: <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think that's what
0: happens. <laughs> that's better than the birds and the bees, isn't it? If you have to teach the kids. And you know, octopuses. Yeah, okay. <laughs> So, yeah, so I kind of like this, this partial perspective we're given of the aliens. It's not, like, there's no idea, like, in other movies, like, we know what the aliens are, what they're doing and what their intention is. Here, it's very much POV, like, we've got to piece things together. And it's an incomplete presentation, and we're left with an incomplete understanding. And we're just left with these, you know, snapshots and glimpses of alien activity. And I quite like that. It's quite a mature way to present it, isn't it? So this is, in
1: a sense, the climax of the movie as well as the climax for the aliens. In that, you know, we're seeing the aliens, again, like in all their glory for the first time. But, you know, they're not fighting. They're not destroying everything. They're not... They just have sex. And then they kind of retreat into the night and their bioluminescence fades away. And it leaves Sam and, and, and Andrew waiting for the army to arrive... And I think Sam declares at that point that she doesn't want to go home as the army yeah, arrive. Yeah, Well, I think but she realises
0: that America has kind of succumbed to the aliens, and there's probably not going to be home to go to, is there? Although they have called their, their families briefly on the phone, haven't they?
1: Yeah, I don't think that's true, Paul. I think you're imagining a nightmare dystopian future that this doesn't represent properly. Oh. But, what is true, is that at this point, I think we're now back in the beginning of the film, Yeah, where that Sequence of the army fighting them, and I think we have to conclude as a consequence that that, dead. that it doesn't end well for them. Yeah, uh, at least one, if not both, of them must end up dead. But that's not spelled out in the film at all. It's only subtly. We
0: know part. that the army, the SWAT team, and the army team. We know they all cop it. Yeah. Yes, certainly. End of. There we are. The yeah. end. Interesting. Oh, it's a cute movie, isn't it? Yeah, I enjoyed this. Very different. Okay. Differently paced and just yeah, just interesting. You know, sati- very. I was quite satisfied to watch this. It was. It's just. It's nutritional on many nutritional on many levels. I find it's quite chill. Yeah,
1: and it's not
0: too hectic.
1: Yeah, it's, yeah. It's got a lot of things going for it. It made a lot more sense to me when I knew that it had been improvised, and I didn't know that until the end, and then it it sort of clicked why it's very light on story isn't it it's not very driven it is yeah and the interpersonal relationships are you know convincing and you know you understand there's an emotional connection of it to an extent but you're not that's not central to the story in a way you know it's not been written as a romance or a broken romance or you know or uh, and it's it's not really even about you know and and drew understanding about what he's taking pictures of, or it's not really investigating that in any depth, is it? These are just, this is just colour on the surface of the whole piece,
0: which is, in a sense, a sort of travelogue for Central America. <laughs> it is, okay, so it is a travelogue, it is improvised, but I think both of those things might be semi intentional in the sense that I think it tries to be a linear as a sci-fi movie because like it, it, in typical sci-fi movies even something like Arrival, where we don't really know what the aliens are up to there's there's a sequence isn't there the aliens arrive okay uh, we try to understand what's going on and either we do it, don't succeed and then we act upon it okay whereas here you know there's confusion there's a distended sense of intention there's, the sense of intention surrounding these aliens we get a palpable sense of confusion and distended intention you know and nothing's very very clear about what they're doing here or what anybody's is capable of doing or what anybody's actually doing to contain them and i kind of like that I, I kind of felt it all jigsaw together and maybe that's an excuse for the plotting or or, or maybe you know that's just the feel that they wanted to go for so tell me about the
1: acting and how
0: you would score it. I really enjoyed the acting, actually. I thought Andrew was a bit stronger than Sam. I thought the male lead was a bit stronger. You always do. No, I don't. I, I just felt <laughs> that it could have been the character that Sam you know Sam had to be played as. I don't know. Uh, but generally, just really strong. I loved all the extras uh, and all the, uh, like, just completely invented on-the-spot dialogue by people who are not paid actors. Uh, the rest of the movie, the rest of the people in the movie, brave and effective. So I'm going to give it a 7.5 for acting. How about you, Rich?
1: Yeah, I'll give it an 8. Whoa. Yeah. High praise. But I, yeah,
0: the leads are engaging enough, aren't they? Um Indeed, so, yeah. yeah. Plot, I think, is a weak point here. Uh, but then again, I think it can survive on other things apart from, you know, a, a densely a densely, a densely, woven and satisfying plot. But again, I'd, I'd like to have seen perhaps a little more cinematic intrigue and plot depth, simply because... You know, we're not watching reality; oh, we're watching a piece of fiction, and so it doesn't have to run to the rhythms of reality. So, for that, a six. Because of the nature
1: of it, I'm not really sure what to make of mm. it plot-wise. I mean, on the one hand, for instance, well, this nothing thing was resolved, was it? But nothing then... is resolved, and everything is quite confused. And maybe that's very, very realistic. Maybe it's kind and of like say linear kind of... You
0: know, that's the point about these these movies: is something's always resolved in some some sort of way, and. This didn't happen. That was refreshing, I thought. But at the same time, if we make art that aims to echo reality, you can't make it real. It has to be art, doesn't it? You know? There's this thing, isn't there, where clearly
1: from the outset people have decided this is a dangerous infection and these creatures are dangerous, okay. and they've got the army, and they're containing it, and they're fighting it. And then you've got the, the Mexican guys who are guiding them through the jungle who go, hey, you know, leave them alone, they leave you alone. But actually, you know, in the next scene, they all get killed. Well, that's because the aliens. army are
0: barreling in, you know. I mean, the aliens have been hanging around the petrol station for hours, and really, they should have just stayed there and chilled with the aliens, I think. Oh. There's a message here.
1: I think you're seeing more plot message in it than I am. To me, it just seemed like...
0: Let's make a random travel movie, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, those aliens are definitely destroying buildings, destroying Yeah, but they're homes. destroying
0: buildings in the way that we walk over ants. Hmm. And all they're
1: doing is having sex, is that what you're saying? Yeah. And some should just let be.
0: Some ants and bed mites get crushed in the process, you know.
1: Hmm. I'll give it a six for plot. Okay.
0: Now, we have to get to effects and CGI. What's
1: your plot score? Did you give a plot six. score? Six. Okay.
0: okay. Effects, CGI, uh, all done by one man in the space of two or three weeks in his bedroom uh, with Adobe After Effects. I think just for that alone, I have to give it a seven.
1: Oh, I'll give it an eight, yeah. There's, the, the effects are amazing. Uh, it's a very engaging movie to watch all around, mm-hmm. but what about scientific accuracy, Paul? Oh, of what? The one thing that I didn't like, didn't really gel with me, is those creatures did look and move quite a lot like a bit floaty cephalopods, squids. Yeah, floaty. Yeah, but they're huge, and you know they're capable of smashing up Humvees and stuff.
0: I, so I, I couldn't really see if the tentacles were like. If, if they were resting on many tentacles on the floor, if it were just floating and dangling the air. down. Yeah. yeah, so that wasn't satisfying, was it?
1: And where in the solar system could they have lived? Oh. No. see, I mean, maybe they lived in Jupiter where they could float in a dense atmosphere. Oh. But how could they
0: have survived? The gravity is in... too strong, I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't, no, I don't
1: get the, the scientific accuracy of it. I don't think there's anywhere for them to have lived. Well, look, an octopus, when you take it out of the water, is fairly floppy, isn't it? Yes. I mean, they they can move around, but they're kind of... So for those kind of reasons,
0: yeah, this big big thing would just flop,
1: wouldn't it? So I can only go for five here. Yeah, I'm
0: going
1: to go 5.5. You like the halves? We should just do everything out of 20, Paul. Thank
0: you.
1: That would (laughs) convince. Like (laughs) I can score so accurately.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Not like it's not just on a fucking whim. Okay, so is there a potential analogy to cartels here? Like, you know, uh, a, a social cultural infection that sweeps across us.
1: Oh, just leave them alone. They only kill other cartel members. You've got to live with them. You've got to become the fish live in the water, you know.
0: Uh, potentially. Yeah,
1: so, so maybe they spread drugs throughout your society and that's a bit of a problem It's destroying people's lives.
0: But, you know, it's better than going to war with them, isn't it? Is that what you're saying? I'm not saying that. I'm saying maybe that could that potentially be. An overarching kind of vibe here. I don't know. You don't get the sense that this is a
1: gritty look at the underside of Mexican society, do you? Say no, that? no. It's
0: a it's a pontificate over a beer kind of movie. Nonetheless, what does it mean for an overall score? Overall score, uh, more than its summer parts, uh, uh, seven point five for me. I really enjoyed this. Actually,
1: I will give it an eight. Wow! And
0: yeah, good recommendation from
1: a director who's done some interesting movies.
0: Hmm, I'm glad we found that one. Or rather, I'm glad Richard found that
1: one. But uh, I can't claim much credit. I just put it on the list because I saw it being recommended elsewhere. Speaking of the list of films, Paul. Ah. ah. Speaking of the list of films, what have you got? I've got a big
0: choose? Korean blockbuster for you on the movies in selected uh, in selected theaters at the moment, but also available on Movie. the streaming side of choice. Uh, Reason. Decision, excuse me. Decision to leave. Okay, decision to leave. Decision to leave. Against that, I'd like to weigh in with Banshees of, and I can't pronounce this place.
1: In in a Sheeran. In a Sheeran. In a shirin, okay. Uh, That's by the guy who did In Bruges, Uh, Martin McDonough.
0: I'm not saying this if I know what you're talking about.
1: You've not seen In Bruges? Hmm. It's a film that's well regarded. A lot of people have a lot of good things to say about In Bruges. I found it good, but not as good as people say it is. What did people enthuse about? I suppose it's treading similar grounds to um, the one we saw last week, the uh, Never Let Me Go, Paul.
0: Oh. oh, okay. You mean worthwhile, weighty, and meaningful.
1: Okay. It, it de- deals with, you know, at the end of
0: things. But the those kind of movies are hit and miss also, aren't they? Because the, the Quince Tree Sun uh, is... Oh god, to look. We've gotta watch it again. Okay. No,
1: and uh we're going to do Decision to Leave, the okay. Korean film. Uh, I don't want to deal with any of this uh,
0: <laughs> European art house. Oh we ever gonna watch the Tree song, Richard. We've gotta do it, actually this song. Why would we put ourselves through that again? Why? Well we can wait we could I'll give you a choice, that and some Peter Greenaway films, okay.
1: I'd I'd much rather watch a Peter
0: Greenway film. Okay. But I made
1: my decision <laughs> watching a Korean film.
0: Decision to leave.
1: Until the next time, thank you for listening. Thank you ever so much. Goodbye. Ciao
0: for now. See you on the next one.